0: Well,
1: hello everybody. Welcome to another installment of Show To V With Mike G, the show of life, the show of psychology, the show of West Side Story. Take that and gin. That is right. We are talking about Hendrix Gin today with the beautiful, the charming, the British, Mattias Dillon Horseman, the U.S. brand ambassador for Hendrix Gin. We sat down recently in San Antonio and waxed poetic about life, waxed poetic about Maddie is looking like a model and giving each other digs everywhere in between. It was a great chat, and Maddie's will actually be in Austin next week. Hopefully, we can grab a martini or two. So, I'm sure you guys are going to love this chat. I really think it's a great repartee between two punk ass guys. So, without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Maddie's Dylan Horseman of Hendrix Gin.
0: West Side Story. I mean, it's it, pretty good. It set the foundation for my life right there. Did it, it really? Great. I mean, the hopeless romantics, trying to find the one. Yeah. That sounds perfect to me. Jet or a shark,
1: then? Ooh. Edgy I or soft lover boy? Gotta say, I mean, hey,
0: look at me. I'm probably a soft lover boy, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I gotta say, no, probably, uh, probably sharks all the way. It was always kind of, yeah, that was always, sharks was always a good one.
1: I think so. I don't know that you can do any wrong. You get a little bit of street cred with both. Absolutely, so makes some sense. I also was gonna ask you to be cheeky. Does Robbie Williams know you left? Take that. <laughs> <laughs> Does is he aware that you left and now are pursuing a solo? Well, you character. have to have talent to be in the, to be in one of those. Um, is that true? I well, I mean, maybe that's why I left. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna
0: explore my own avenues of yeah. uh, of creativity and singing.
1: So you get the acting thing, but did you ever? And i I'm, I'm not trying to hit on you. It's too early for that. But. <laughs> you were ever a model anything like that you've got the height and the jawbone for it as we were talking earlier um bits and pieces throughout my life um
0: i think i've always been trying to explore that that area right like being in front of the camera i actually like being behind the camera more um i yeah i worked as um, a fashion photography assistant in new york for a summer uh with my my cousin was a photography agent so i actually love being behind the camera probably more than in front of it what about a film camera? Film camera pictures, yeah. You know, I think um, I, I always get a little nervous in front of camera. Uh really? if, you see, if you see me on the on the news, kind of talking about cocktails and stuff, you might not think it, but yeah. it's a very nerve wracking experience. Interesting. And so, so I've always, uh, yeah, it's it's something I've been working on, and I think you know, being in a, the ambassador role has definitely helped that for sure.
1: You have an audience in a different state every day, basically. Yeah. Hey, well, I mean,
0: there's a great uh, a great old um, quote that says, "The uh, bar is the greatest stage in the world, and the audience changes every night." And it, I think that's 100% absolutely. true. Yeah. And you can wear
1: what you want. You can be, yeah. you know, glam rock if you want. You and it's, but but it's not even thing. about
0: wearing necessarily clothes. It's about wearing your personality, Interesting. too. Interesting. Because it's, you know, what is that role of a bartender but to mold to these different people? Yeah. Do they want a shoulder to cry on? Do they want that loud, boisterous person? Or do they want something
1: else? To that point, then. The ability to be agile with your communication styles. Absolutely. Do you ever feel like... What is maybe some sense of superficiality, because you don't really talk about too, too much from behind the bar. Now, maybe if you're next to me, now we have a couple drinks, we'll talk about more things. But you think that real superficiality, and do you think people are really able to be real when they're performing and putting on a different mask every night you know it's interesting um i studied psychology
0: at university and my dissertation was (laughs) called on the rocks with a twist on mental health no shit and i did a second dissertation called make it a double and it was a comprehensive analysis of stress in frontline hospitality workers yeah and through these i explored the nature of what it means to be a bartender like from a psychological point of view and to actually i spoke to bartenders all across the uk so i did four major cities i did chester liverpool manchester and london um and i spoke to them about you know what do they speak to customers about like what, you know is it is it uh, superficial things right. is it What's meaningful the line, things right? and i interviewed chain bars so i guess like in america you'd be looking at your apple bees right. and your you know your sort of mainstream places red lobsters and Whatever you have, your sure. Dave and Busters or whatever—that's the good one. That's so always yeah, fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then I interviewed more of the um, in, like individual sort of uh, cocktail bars as well. You know, I was down in London. I did Happiness, Forgets and Savoy, oh, wow. uh, and some some really fantastic places like Oddfellows in Chester. And and it was really it was really cool to see the dynamic that different bartenders can actually have in talking to people. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I found that in the sort of those chain bars you actually end up speaking about very superficial things but after interviewing customers that has a huge impact on them so they like to talk about that you know they they I don't want to say they live very you know mundane lives by any means because it's not necessarily a generalized statement but when they go to these bars they're expecting that and so, when their reality is met with these beautiful conversations about sports, weather, right. uh, general life, that's what they want to talk about. But in the okay. cocktail bars, the bartenders actually have this beautiful emotional and social intelligence to mold to these different people. And so, when they're speaking about, you know, there's an old saying, when you get behind a bar, the three things you don't talk about. Relationships, politics, uh, and religion. Right. The most, num- the number one thing you speak about behind the bar is relationships and politics. Like it's it's kind of crazy.
1: That is crazy. Um, so, it's is interesting... All right. To take it kind of an academic way, perhaps the people frequenting cocktail bars, maybe they have a larger academic background. Maybe more. I wouldn't. I I definitely
0: wouldn't say in terms of academic that there's any connection. Really, I think it's more of a. uh, I mean, I definitely—it's just a lifestyle, really, isn't it? Like, I frequent everything. From my, I live 157 paces away from my local bar in Chicago, yeah, and it's 250, you know, uh, 250 beers, and you get to just sit and enjoy the company, right? Um, But I also frequent the place that's four blocks away that is one of the best bars in the country. So, yeah, it's pretty fun. It's good. I mean, I like
1: that it's both. I like that you can have those deep conversations, but you also can just talk about how much you hate so and so footballer. Right? Absolutely, it's a nice, yeah. It's a kind of a nice thing. But for me, it's interesting because you have this rich background and in, in understanding of psychology, which makes sense that you would want to go around and say, gin is a great lubricant. Let's talk. Let's have a real moment with each other. But do you ever miss the, the acting piece that, that potentially you could have went to hollywood potentially could be on set you know there's a there's a, a, a great anecdotal
0: story here for why i actually am in the hospitality industry and it has to do yeah. with acting it was a fork in my life right okay. there and i could have gone down each path it was either go down the acting route right. or go down the hospitality route and my agent at the time called me and was like okay you have i'm not going to tell you what this audition's for but I need you to say yes to coming down because I need to know whether you're committed or not. And I'd been really committed to the bar industry at the time and it was a race day in Chester, which okay. is like the biggest day horse racing. I've so there's like 80,000 people come into the town and there was like three bars they wanted to go to and we were like number two. Mm. So 10 deep from 5.30 till 11.30 at night and you'd take 45,000 pounds behind the bar between four bartenders. Jesus. Like it was nuts. It's crazy. And I talked to my boss and my boss said, I will support you in whatever you do. But if you go to this audition, you don't have a job when you come back. Because, like, it was such a busy day, and he's like, I need you. And I thought long and hard about it for a couple days. And I decided at the end of the day, do you know what? I really love the hospitality industry. It was a passion point, and my career with studying psychology had collided together in such a beautiful way. And I was like, I didn't feel comfortable in myself to go into acting because I was still a little nervous, and I think I didn't know myself well enough to be able to portray anything I wanted on camera. Interesting. So I decided, you know what? Let me go find myself and go bartending. So really, all this is is the method acting stage of your life. Just in going a way, in. and that's the <laughs> thing. So like, you know, do I ever think the acting thing could come back in? Well, it's more about what I enjoyed about acting. Yeah. It was that outlet of creativity, and what do bartenders do but live in a perpetual state of creativity? Yeah, it's true. And I think at the end of the day, the acting thing—I think it's the key points that I enjoyed about it that I get to use every day in my life.
1: In a way, it's acting distilled into Absolute, the finer parts.
0: Absolutely, distilled into the fabric of life.
1: <laughs> see, we talked about puns earlier, so we had to kind of do a little bit. Oh, we'll get a couple in here okay, for sure. Good. And keep in mind, for those people that can't see what's going on here, beyond being a wonderful, beautiful afternoon here in San Antonio, you are drinking a gin and tonic out of a beautiful teacup. Tea excuse me. I always, uh, always am drinking out of the teacup,
0: yeah. Everything about you is groomed, even your teacup. <laughs> <laughs> um, the teacup is something that has become part of my life now, and it's... I, I love it in every way. It's just yeah. fantastic. I carried it in around in a holster on my belt.
1: A holster?
0: Yep. It's a uh, custom made by that a leather actually worker, is, actually, in I Albuquerque, it was in Mexico. It's a card piece. that <laughs> is actually, but it is, in fact, uh, a holster. Well, there's some things you take with you from the acting world that are just fantastic. <laughs> I did do a lot fun. of Shakespeare. I was Lysander
1: four times in a Midsummer Night's Dream. Actually, that's a card piece from Othello. Right? Quite a large card piece. <laughs> Early on, we're talking about Dorset. And that's where you were born. Yeah,
0: yeah, I've, um, I'm best of both worlds. My mother's actually from America. She's from Brooklyn, New York. Oh, no shit. And my my dad is from England, uh, from Ferndown in Dorset. Really? So I grew up in Bournemouth on the south coast of England. Yeah. Uh, how
1: do, wait, so how do these two people? How did these two people meet someone from they, so, so Actually,
0: my, my father set the tone for my life. Um, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a Sagittarius, hopeless romantic at heart, um, and I think that actually is probably one of the reasons why I love working for Hendrix so much, is yeah. because my, that idea about romanticizing like, life and enjoying the finer points and, the, and the, the wonderful mystique that can happen in a random moment yeah. truly comes out a lot in my job. But my father and mother were traveling in India, and uh, they got paired together on a train while they were going on like an excursion to northern India to a place called Bayas. And they got paired together on the train. Yeah. And the Indian guy who was pairing them up said, look after her brother to my dad and gave him a little wink. And my dad <laughs> said, I will. And pretty much that was I do because he proposed three weeks later in a rose garden oh and he gosh. didn't have a ring. So he used the foil from a Cadbury's chocolate wrapper.
1: That's amazing.
0: And, they said, and my mom said yes. And she was living in Switzerland at the time. So, yeah, they, they moved back to the UK it's a beautiful thing and then they and then i came along
1: does it make you optimistic about love knowing that just random things can happen in india and eventually "Eh, it really does you know and they're
0: they're still still happily together so it's amazing absolutely they they truly set the tone for my life and i think it's it's more about the love of those random moments yeah so it's about living life to the full because every moment can be something ridiculously special absolutely if you take it
1: for what it is you know brilliant i'm just having this conversation last night in fact there's this saying, of course, everybody knows it, stop and smell the roses. Very symbolic one, though. But it, I, I, it was actually a very touching story. This, this guy, he was coming in. He was in from Rhode Island doing a pop-up at Chisme. We we're drinking some mezcal, having mm. some nice agave stuff. And he talked about how his son at any moment may lose both of his eyes. His sight is fleeting every day. It's some kind of retinal detachment, something to that nature. And he said, I bought him a camera. It cost way more than it should have my wife got pissed because every single moment he has maybe his last to capture something visually and, optically and something beautiful so question being everybody has their sights on the next thing right the milestones down there it's just over the horizon you're always looking at that but then you miss everything that's yeah, very true way. so the way that you live and you're experiencing is it absolutely to stop and smell right. in a way
0: i think it's a i mean again I, we, we deal with balance so much in the cocktail world right like yeah. every time i'm trying hendrix cocktails i'm always looking for balance And like, where does this fall on a spectrum when i was 18 years old i got asked in an interview you know what do you want to do in 10 years right and i said i want to be a brand ambassador for william grant no way it's i put a you know i, I sort of had this idea i saw the brand ambassador role and i was like that's what i want to do yeah and Throughout my time in the industry, family has been my my goal. Um, I, you know, I, I'm an only child, um, but I've always been very close to my family. Yeah. So I, my bar family that I ended up having back in the UK was absolutely some of my closest friends in the world. They truly are family to me. My university friends were family to me. Mm. My Hendrix family now is like truly my brothers, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and at the end of the day, I put I didn't put a goal out there. I didn't think... I want to do exactly this in a a while. I had kind of a a generalized idea, but I didn't have like a a goal. Like I want to be CEO of this company or whatever it is. I put family out into the ethos as like Mm. a little flag. Sure. And I didn't know which road would take me there, but every way, every road I've taken has led me to a different point of the family aspect of things. Interesting. Having a company called the cocktail brothers for a while. Right. Again, because the industry is a family and we're all brothers and sisters in it. And then, having families behind each bar and now, of course, being part of William Grant as a family-owned company truly has been uh, a remarkable thing. So I think I have been living in the moment, but it's important to at least set something out there. Some guideposts. Yeah, Yeah. just to have something so that you can start recognizing signposts along the way. Because if you're you're heading in a random direction, my God, believe me, it can take you to some beautiful places, I'm sure. Sure. But at the same point, if you have a little bit of that guidance it does it probably helps a little light the way
1: and it feels like you're pretty focused and have a particular perspective and it, it basically like parameters in the, in the way that probably you see you travel and you meet people but it's interesting and have you noticed as you get older things that you thought were seemingly disparate and unrelated somehow start converging and turning into these superpower things family psychology for instance mm-hmm. are you starting to notice these things all these people or all these things kind of coming together as you get older it's like a it's like a painting right and everything's
0: a different color if you know how to use them you can create a masterpiece amazing and it truly I think you know and working with such creative people has helped a lot to see the potential of seemingly unrelated facts right like you never know when I first saw the teacup at Hendrix I did not know that this would become such a part of my of who I am now Um, and it's it's very interesting to see those small things and you can really if you take something and you nurture it there's no telling what the possibilities are that's
1: an amazing point
0: we had a great conversation recently about um, measuring unusuality, because um, obviously at Hendrix, we're all about the unusual, right? Like, Right. Can I
1: say real quick, yeah. I think it's Terry Gilliam-inspired. That's what I think the whole aesthetic. Okay, for Hendrix yeah, yeah, yeah. Is. Does so, that make sense?
0: Yeah, completely. I think, uh, and, and again, the the whole vibe of it has developed out of something so wonderful, um, such a wonderful liquid, right? Yeah. So obviously, being from Scotland and we curiously infuse it with rose and cucumber was that beginning. Yeah. But developing that into this beautiful world that has become a Hendrix, world. right? That's right. Yeah. Um, it is so fantastic, and I think um, at the end of the day, when you take those ideas, you can. You. Can, it's not about necessarily. Measuring unusuality at the beginning it's yeah. about nurturing unusuality because at the, end of the, at the end of it anybody can be very unusual and creative right. and having these fantastic ideas but it's about looking at things in a different way
1: sure and not you know the states are very guilty of being form factored you have to do this there's two and a half kids have a dog go to college but what about punk rock man you know what I mean like it has to be infused we have to think in abrasive ways we have to challenge each other and i think that and i don't do this with brands much i don't like really going brand centric but being disruptive to a sense and forcing people to think about gin in a different way is a very positive thing and it ruffles the feathers and i think it's really necessary that hendrix does that because right now more than ever we're just agreeing or we're disagreeing together you know and it's just so polarized so it's nice to find this interstitial balance of creativity mm-hmm. and art and strange Terry Gilliam-esque, like, graphics. I love from that, yeah. I really do think That's it. That's a I mean, great, yeah, great description of you it. You know, it's not goofy like Monty Python, but it's certainly crazy and creates this, like, otherworldliness, you know? So, I'm curious, only child, your father and mother met serendipitously in India, which is an amazing thing. Where does this passion for psychology and for people and this stage and art, where does that come from? Is your father in that industry? Or is your mother... My parents haven't.
0: Uh, my parents don't drink. Actually, um, oh really? Yeah, they. Um, uh, it's uh, very interesting. But I've, they love flavor. My mother's an avid cook. Um, yeah. You know, they love Indian food. I think again from stemming from That's this makes make some sense. Yeah, um, a, a lot of connections over to that side of the world. So she's always loved cooking. Mm. Uh, my father eats very simply. You know, beans on toast with cheese was my staple growing up, and I loved it. <laughs> um, my father and I have an affinity for ketchup. That's sort of my my quirk. <laughs> I eat ketchup with everything, whether yeah. it be pizza, spaghetti, whatever it is. I absolutely you might come it. You
1: might come to fists here in Antonio, <laughs> ketchup i think that's well, like, you guys you know, use you ranch, so it's well, that's right. Oh, well, that's depending, depending. Yeah. hot sauce for me always. So it's strange, but it the compassion and the concern for other people the interesting community
0: where does that come from i think it was um yeah it stems back to a lot of things but you know i always remember seeing these pictures my father used to take me around and and he'd like hold me up to like a tree and he'd be like a leaf and he would literally and i would like touch the i'd like touch the leaf and i'd explore and he would introduce me to the world in such a wonderful way um and you know my parents were very very um inspiring people and captivating about life you know that if you look into that they meditate every day for like two hours really uh, the original hippies i like to call them i like that a lot uh, and so you know that you look and they have such clear and, and clear eyes and everything it's absolutely fantastic
1: so you have that too there is a clarity to your you know that's really you. strange that's why i mentioned the model thing you thought it was maybe half or backhanded it really wasn't you you work, just, if, i mean hey if anybody wants to pay, pay me to model something they'd be see, great. that's good but they, you know when you walk into a bar or you walk into a place and someone has just this clarity and groundedness about them you know
0: i was looking at that being in san antonio for the cocktail conference right is yeah. a wonderful experience and in fact being being in a bar or being anywhere where you're with such amazing people is such a wonderful joy yeah. but to walk into a room and to see these vibrant characters right like i mean i know you know trevor really mm-hmm. well trevor schneider from of vodka you walk into a room with him and he captivates the audience right and I noticed this a while ago. Um, Eric Anderson and I, who are the Hendrix Ambassadors, uh, along with Mark Studd and Fred Parent and everybody, we, we captivate in a different way. There's a different light. And it's, all, it's so interesting to see how every brand ambassador has this different aura and this yeah. captivate, they captivate their, their audience in such a different way. And it's Absolutely. so fascinating to, to look Impact at that. Trevor is high energy, man. It's, it's so know? wonderful to see. Sure. You know, it's like you walk in and it's like,
1: wow, there he, like, that's Mr. Brand Ambassador himself. Right there. Quintessential, right? Yeah. Is there anybody that you could say from an acting perspective, actor wise rather, that you channel or that you indirectly channel that you say, I really like their presence on screen or. Yeah, I mean, Jennifer Lawrence all day, every day. Oh (laughs) my God, really? That's more of, I mean, you know, I'm about 10 years older than you, more than that. She was fucking, you know, quote unquote, my day but oh no excuse no, me Jennifer thinking, yeah, who are no, you thinking I'm, of <laughs> I'm thinking about Jennifer Connelly see I think I'm always I'm thinking, thinking Jennifer about Connelly Jennifer. though absolutely different, you know, Gen- I mean,
0: Jennifer Connelly I mean if we're talking about different actors I mean you look at somebody like Johnny Depp Bradley Cooper these yeah. people um, their versatility in in what they do is just outstanding yeah. um, you look at people like Chris Pratt and their transformation And I think that's something, too. I mean, it's that transformation of watching people grow. I think of myself a year ago when I first started out being a brand ambassador. I came from living in Aspen in the mountains to moving to my first ever city Mm. of Chicago. And, oh, my God, what a jump that is. And to see how I've grown in a year, it's so funny. It's like, you know, and you watch these actors, they they, they change so much from role to role. Profoundly. And it's, in a way, you know, you see us go from role to role and from situation to situation and we're always acting in these different ways. It's very it's very cool to, to, you, know, we're, cool we're, to you know. It's cool to
1: see it and when it when it feels
0: sincere, I like it a lot. Absolutely. And, and that's I think one of the big things. There's a fine line between that and the brand ambassador world. You that's know right. you see a lot of people who they really are they have that brand messaging drilled into them.
1: Right. It's almost um, weird.
0: Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, when we truly when you love something so much it becomes a part of you yeah and so we just had a very interesting talk with trevor um schneider and dave and david allardyce from glenphidic and he they said this wonderful idea about being genuine you know and like where's that work-life balance because we love we love what we do so much yeah really how do you how do you switch it off and and are you do you ever switch it off you know when you go out for with your loved ones for a meal Technically, you're still working and you have this heightened sensitivity to the service industry. So, do you ever switch off or we've made, I guess we've made a choice, you know? No, that's an
1: interesting thing. Where does the brand end and you begin? That's very true. Philosophically, because you have these choices about how you want to be perceived in the public eye. You're on TV, you're doing conferences, you know, you're doing chats like this. And then at the same time, which pieces do you want to keep to yourself? I mean, your private life, perhaps even your romantic life, are these things you keep pretty close to the chest you know it's a tough one um especially because the
0: people we hang around with are the bar industry usually yeah. you know i I'm, i think i'm in a unique position because i've been bartending since i was uh since i was 18 in the uk obviously because right. you can bartend when you're 18 over lucky, there lucky lucky okay. uh and i moved to the states when i was 21 so you know i've always been in the bar world so it's kind of become part of part of me now um Whereas I think, you know, so there are some people who have come from another world, from another life. So they have two separate Facebooks, one for their personal life, yeah. one for one for the work. Whereas everything I have is all, it's all me. So, you know, you think, I love that. I think it's great.
1: I think so too. But I do wonder, is there a risk as you get older and perhaps uh, uh, inevitably wiser, but you find a woman that maybe you want to start a family and then these other tendrils start to form. Do you feel that there is a risk of having yourself be so transparent and so... Available digitally that perhaps you might have to bring it back in the future I think I think again it's about that transformation I think
0: growing, yeah. going through and learning about life I mean I'm spending my entire life looking for somebody to give up the left side of the bed for yeah like hundred percent and I can't wait to find that person like yeah. genuinely you know um, and it's it's a it's such a fantastic time to to grow and to learn and I think it's about learning to grow with somebody too so when yeah. I find that woman I can I can really grow with them and and, and you know find that balance of yeah. where that brand life ends and, and where the personal life begins you know it's tough when you travel as much as i do you know i'm on the road a lot Um not as much as some people but it's definitely enough to keep me busy
1: yeah well you know it's funny and we'll talk about dave here. <laughs> <laughs> i happen to live eight blocks away from that's New what Chicago, i heard yeah so you guys live really yeah, really close fun it seems like he you know i some i don't worry about him he's always a good but like when's dave gonna settle down and find a nice girl oh you right. know i, I
0: he's, <laughs> he's probably got women flaunting after him he's so fantastic <laughs> yeah. uh and
1: he just is disinterested almost it's so funny No,
0: he's you know he's such a great guy i think uh but he's one of those people uh, he he plays it you know close to his chest too so yeah. it's it's great to and it's great to have him as a mentor too like you know uh, when i moved to chicago i didn't really know anybody i knew two people yeah. who lived in the city out of however many millions live there um and and to have him, uh, you know, as a new friend and uh, as a mentor, too. He, he was one of the people who taught me the most yeah. um, out of anybody.
1: Wonderful guy. So I mean, really the, you cool. know, I, if I was, and I've talked to a couple people at William Grandsons, if I was ever to make the transition, you guys are the crew of which I would want to join.
0: It's a fun family. Uh, and I truly mean that, like, again, my whole yeah, the family, family thing has stuck with me from the beginning. But truly, it was always watching them at events. You know, I yeah. saw how how close knit and how beautiful the interactions were and I was like I would love to be part of that it's an amazing thing. and so yeah it's, to be part of it now from this side is so cool to see you know and yeah. it's truly you always call people and you're asking advice and no matter what brand they're on there's always insights that people can give you yeah. um, so you know having started off sort of my brand ambassador life with William Grant not any companies previously really um, you know I've been taking and, and learning from the best in the industry so it's really cool to see how they
1: all play together your experiences as you travel and we're fellow mates in gin i would say we have lots of experience with it love gin hendrix is and apparently the people are saluting <laughs> so outside us. i love that they heard it they support it as well but people being out there kind of soft selling talking to people creating a community of gin lovers or bringing people into that community in the time you've been doing this role with Hendrix, how has that conversation been? People open to it, or are they very
0: yeah, very... absolutely. I think the the gin ambassadors here in the US are absolutely fantastic, and with some of the greatest, greatest characters. Yeah. Um, you know, I was downstairs yesterday and I saw a good friend of mine who's a gin ambassador as well, mm. um, and I was like, oh, "What's up?" And it's great to see because a gin is all gin is is an amalgamation of beautiful flavors. That's it's right. botanicals, right? Sure. So in our, in Hendrix, we use our like Symphony of eleven botanicals with our two soloists of rose and cucumber. Mm. And it's this. Everything is individual. You can pick out a flavor to to highlight in a cocktail, right? Right. And us gin ambassadors, we're all our own botanicals that create this amazing <laughs> family in the U.S., yeah. right? And it it's this crazy amalgamation of people. And so when you get us in the rooms together, yeah. you start to see that gin is not what people. There was like, oh, I had a bad experience with gin in college, and I'm like, you need to come out with us, right? <laughs> like, give it's it a give it a second uplifting shot, uplifting
1: experience. Yeah, it truly is. So why gin? You had. You know there's lots of other spirits that have some kinds of roots in, in the UK. Absolutely. I actually started out working in Tiki
0: bars. That okay. was my first really? thing. yeah. So in Chester, there was a great Tiki bar that opened up with some of the best bartenders in town opening this place. yeah and so I worked there for a little bit, uh, and everybody sort of moved on relatively quickly from there, um, which, left, which left me kind of in a position to move up yeah. uh, through the ranks a little bit, which was nice. And then slowly but surely, um, I ended up my friend, uh, my friend Simon looked at me, and he's like, "You need to come work for me." So I went to the. He looked
1: in your eyes, didn't he? That'd no. be the best that He'd just stare at you like. He was like, you. you need to must go. And I, but I still remember
0: it was, it's funny how you think back and you're like, at the time, you know, you're like, oh, I know everything, you know, and you're thinking right. like, you actually know nothing. Yeah. And I remember I was bartending and, you know, it's one of those things. I think I, I put some dirty ice back in a cocktail or something. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I'd already yeah. shaken it and I shook it again with another cock And he was like, yeah, you got to come work for me. And so I learned from all the people, my family behind the bar, I learned immense amounts from them. Yeah. Uh, and it was cool to grow like that. So. Rum is something that has been instilled in me from when I was, you know, from when I was, I guess, a beginning bartender. Right. And so behind the bar, it's always been rum. And then obviously tiki drinks, I ended up finding a love for gin and the flavor that's in it.
1: The Saturn, man. Yeah, oh, that's oh, God, amazing, right. absolutely. Like yeah. all,
0: all the, you know, um, absolutely fantastic cocktails. Uh, you know, like a fog cusser, I think, was the first I even had that gin, one. rum, tiki cocktail I ever had. And I was really? like, well, it's, yeah, rum, cognac, uh, gin, a little bit of orgeat, like, a hell of a pretty, pineapple. Man. Like, it was gorgeous cocktails, yeah. you know what I mean? And you're like, okay. And then I, when I started actually running bars and I was expanding my collections, I was like, wow, gin is something that's got so diverse anyway. So yeah. I started expanding my knowledge about that. And to be able to taste through all the different gins and really pick out the nuanced flavors, it just instilled this place in my heart. Yeah. And so, you know, when the time came that the position opened up with Hendricks, I was like, there's no chance I'm not going to jump at this it's to amazing. join the William Grant family.
1: Was there ever a time, you know, when you finished up studying at Chester with the psychology bit, was there ever a point where you're thinking, uh, maybe i'll go into higher ed right and i will maybe go into counseling and therapy and we talked about it a little bit a i'm a bartender ago. same thing <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you think about you it you know stiffer yeah. though you know like the- um absolutely not um i hated my degree when i was there for my yeah. first year hated it oh it was the worst and i saw all my friends some of the people were in the same thing and some were dropping out and i was like Do you know what Maybe I should drop out. Yeah. And I sat down. I remember I sat down with my like mentor at, the, at university, and she was my, uh, my I guess, coach, you could say.
1: Mm.
0: And I, I explained my doubts, and I said how much I hated, hated my degree. And she said, find the connection. And I was like, oh, God, of course. Like, it's just an Alan Watts record <laughs> playing on repeat. Point? Yeah, right? Like, it's just <laughs> do what you love, and you'll make money. And I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. Sounds great. <laughs> And I was, uh, and I, you know, I was studying all this stuff, and we were doing, like, the therapy course and whatnot, and I was, if I heard one more thing about Piaget's theory of development and two-year-olds, I was going to, like, walk out of <laughs> class, you know. And um, then one day, a woman came into the bar, and she was crying. And I was like, oh, God, as every young bartender does, I have to deal with this. Right. My God, how annoying. But at the end of it, I helped her through a situation. And when she left, she was not crying. And she was smiling. And had I really done anything? No, I was a sounding board. And I think that's key for bartenders to realize is you're not there to solve people's problems. So that immediately, if you realize that, and if you take that on board, it should take some of the mental stress away because you deal with people's problems so much. They're always talking, home. my wife's this. You know, I used to deal with people who were having affairs and stuff. And it's just kind of crazy to see that. That's a big stress on you, you know? That is kind of like what is it client patient confidentiality yeah, exactly you think about right, it, that and kind so of it agreement. adds a lot of mental stress but at the end of the day if you realize that you're not there to physically solve any problems you should never say do this do that right. whatever you're there is a sounding board for them to come to a realization on their own wow. and that was something that had a huge impact on me and so when i helped this lady through i went home that night and i woke up in a fit of whatever it was halfway through the night mm-hmm. and i suddenly realized My passion and my career were going to collide together in this moment, and I couldn't sleep the whole night. I was so excited because I could see my life ahead of me. And I was like, wow, there is such an amazing psychology to bartending and hospitality. And that moment in my first year of university changed my whole life.
1: That's amazing.
0: And so I went back in the next day, and I kind of rambled on to my lecturers about this. And they're like, oh, my God, you're crazy. (laughs) <laughs> but, okay. And even one of them said, why don't you just do something normal for your dissertation? Normal. And I looked Come at them, on. and I guess I should, probably should have known I was going to work for Hendrix at this point. But I said, what's the point in that? Yeah. And I truly meant it, you know? Um, so, that's when I did my psychology of hospitality focus. Amazing. And they loved it. It was great because it was so different and interesting. I probably should have, should have studied sociology or philosophy,
1: but... Well, not so different, really. <laughs> yeah, it was, what, it, it's
0: interesting trying to quantify... The qualitative data yeah. you know what I mean and so we're, I was there did interviews and coming up with themes and, and trying to make the numbers work from yeah. a psychological point of view That's a, it's a, it was
1: fun very appealing to me we both have a very similar background in that yeah. sense when you think about the state I'm just having this conversation down with a fellow panelist and she is about to facilitate a chat about mental health and ultimately psychological health here just in a f- few hours for the conference and we started talking about it, and I realized, perhaps people like you, perhaps people like me, we may be part of the solution in letting people talk their shit out with us. It's funny. I mean, if you think about health insurance, right? We're the cheapest version of health
0: insurance there is. <laughs> if you think of, if you need to go I talk mean, about a problem, hey, man, eight bucks for a beer, and yeah, you're mine for the next ten minutes, like if it's a quiet night. That's a great point. Yeah, yeah, um, but we live in a land of unsocialized medicine because at the end of the day, you know, we are... Um, we are a, a wonderful people. People often view us as an opportunity to, they say, it lowers their guards and whatnot. But actually, at the end of the day, um, I feel like it's the idea of being around people that is actually the really ben- the really beneficial aspect of mm-hmm. what we do. Um, and that you know, as bartenders, you have to be there for who the person on the other side of the bar needs you to be. So if you need that need to be that shoulder to cry on, yeah, go for it. You know,
1: how do you feel about what is ultimately a thumb based society, of which we are so Head and eyes deep into our devices that we're really committing the atrocity of the opposite of community with our devices. Do you find that that will become a larger and larger problem as people get so
0: isolated that way? I definitely think it's a part. I mean, growing up in sort of that crossover between the technological booms, you know, like I I was on that cusp, I still had, you know, I'm I'm, uh, in my mid 20s and so. Having that dial-up internet, I still remember that where we didn't have the phones. You know, we had the Nokia thirty-three ten. Like that was my that was my yeah. first phone. Could never break it. It was perfect. <laughs> and then progressing through to now, when I see people growing up, and I'm like, wow, you haven't looked up from your phone and and you're swiping left and right. right. And we're in a society where we can't actually approach somebody and say, hi, I'd like to buy you a drink. It's and then they look at you like you're like a crazy person. Right. But if they if you swipe right and you match, all of a sudden it's like. Oh my god, I love this person. I'm going to spend the rest of my life with them. It's like, oh, how did that how did that come about?
1: Transactional relationships. It it's really yeah, on a foundation of us matching on certain attributes. You know some people are great on paper. Right? Yeah, I mean it's, it's like, judging a book by its cover. That's exactly. That's right. what we're doing now. It's like right. everything is this
0: if I get liked this much All of a sudden, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna feel better in myself, which actually, I mean, it's a scientific fact. Like, as soon as you get a like, right, it releases uh, endorphins in your mind and it makes you feel good. And so every time you, I mean, I know when I post a picture and it starts going viral, I'm like, yes. And you get this little rush and it's great. But I don't think that's something to base your life on. Well, and it's very interesting to see that, uh, like, kind of, uh, especially in the industry, right? Because it serves that dual purpose yes okay it's a little superficial and we don't get that interaction but I've met some amazing people and actually now some of my closest friends through this social media so it branches everything out and allows it to be very easy
1: it's again knowing when the social persona ends and you begin yeah right it's that balance again
0: it's about utilizing a tool in its most effective way yeah and I think about any si- it could be a, a moment a situation or whatever it is but if you can really nurture it and use it to your advantage go for it
1: absolutely do you ever feel, not an obligation... I mean, so here's the thing. We're, we're going to talk about it. The gin and tonic's classic, and we're both sipping it. And I'm just really comfortable right now. This is really nice. Yes. Yeah, but I, I, the psychology thing, you know, we talked about it. We knew we were going to kind of dive into it a little bit. When you think about your peers, not a, not the cust- not the hierarchy of what is ultimately someone that's working for the establishment, and then a customer comes in. This is definitely a predetermined hierarchy there. But for your peers that experience the stress, the hustle and bustle of this industry, do you feel some kind of of responsibility not because of your role but because of who you are as a man of the people someone who likes community do you feel like you have some sense of duty to be a shoulder to cry on i mean it goes it goes back to the old adage of you know treat treat thy neighbor
0: as you want to be treated right like if you just want to if you if you're a nice person and if you're just a genuine if you are genuine about what you do if you want to help people go ahead and do it like
1: that's uh, but you know yeah. that there's, you know, there's this interesting thing, though. Some people, obviously, most people in the hospitality industry can have great flowing conversations. But at the same time, not everybody's really easy and they're not comfortable with being honest about their their pain and about their inadequacies, to use a psychological term. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you probably get people that feel very comfortable talking to you about those things.
0: It's, um, it's a very interesting, when you're talking about the direction of relationships, mm-hmm as a brand ambassador, we're there to, to you know cover multiple bases and to run around and, and, and talk to everybody and yeah. again, mold to those different situations. So you often find people open up to you in a very interesting way. And then when you go to open up to them, you start to realize like, actually how much do I really wanna mm-hmm. want share? Because you have this, again, the, the role and this that work-life balance to how right. much do you wanna share with people? Um, You know, but I think it it always serves such a wonderful purpose, and you feel great for being there for somebody. And I think if you if you think that that person could ever be there for you, then
1: I mean, you just you help out where you can. Yeah. Well, I think you're going to be helping out a lot of people. See, it's nice because you have the psychological background, so you can talk to people, but also you can pour a quite lovely gin and tonic. So you are a double. If not triple threat, to folks. So, I, you know, in other words, your dating life's gonna be wonderful. It's gonna be very productive here, probably in the next ten years. Well, thank you. I think that it'll be, you know, you guys will be, a, whoever it is, very model-like, beautiful couple, like David Bowie, right, and his wife. So, hopefully, modeling and personalities. I think so. And melding in that respect, yeah, it's melding of minds, melding of minds. That's exactly right. So, Hendrix, for you, you connect to the what did you call it the unusuality which is yes. a word i have not heard before but i really is it a word like it. <laughs> i don't know we, we tend to make stuff up at hendrix in terms and we but go with it and we're like this point. works for you connecting it, it's pretty clear why you would connect with that brand why we, you would connect with the sense of family mm. at william Sons. but for you if you were just to simplify it and go to a guy on the street and say i like hendrix gin it's a piece of me what's the perfect gift of that guy for you in terms of a cocktail in terms of a cocktail, yeah, because I kind of feel it's a gin and tonic. Maybe I'm leading the question, but you know, there's. Um, I think
0: it goes into that. The world of Hendricks is so diverse, yeah. And I, I love Hendrix in its most simple form in a martini. Oh yeah. But the bartender, drinksmith mixology side of me is like, but a martini is not simple. <laughs> it might be in terms of ingredient list. It's like the inner gin. conflict must be terrible. But then you. So I'm writing a book about martinis. Actually, are you is, really? It's why I carried the teacup. I didn't um realize. So, uh, everywhere I go, I ask a bartender, I will take a Hendrix Gin Martini, as you wish. Mm. And I give them the simple instructions. If they need a little more guidance, I'll, I'll give it, but that's that's my base phrase that I use. Right. A, Princess Bride is my favorite movie, so, as you wish, um, comes from there.
1: Mr. Montoya is one of my
0: vitals. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and, um, but uh, also, I feel like I get to know a bartender a little bit better by making that martini, right? Sure. And so, how they would like to drink it. Because it's as they wish. It's not Thinking about me, I know how I like my martinis. Right. So I'm like, I want to see it's how bad, they like theirs. Yeah, and so then you start to realize that the simple is not so simple, and that mm-hmm. might be that Hendrix, where we actually have delved so much into all of these different aspects about the creat- the creative process and and the you know the creativity that has gone into making this with yeah. Leslie Gracie and how fantastic she is in Scotland. Um, it's a it's a very interesting it's a very interesting concept. You ask about that. Yeah. What would the perfect gift be?
1: That's a so, That's I think that's perfect though it's a way to invite someone into the conversation and it is about it's almost completely selfless yeah but hey you
0: can never go wrong with the gin and tonic no yeah and i think you know the freshly sliced cucumber yeah it's kind of great it just keeps it fresh keeps it alive and it's it's truly fantastic so yeah that i mean that's probably it would be a great intro to anybody as long as you're using good tonic and good yeah obviously
1: so a writer as well so not only an actor a thriving psychologist a man that likes martinis you're also writing a fucking book, really? You're trying, yeah. It's uh, it's wonderful. I mean, James th- writing that, a book too, isn't
0: he? I, yeah, about a yeah. uh, wonderful Irish whiskey distilleries yeah. and everything. Um, the, it's funny. The idea comes from when we're. It's what we do, right? Yeah. As a bartender, I lived in this perpetual st- uh, this perpetual state of creative tension, and transitioning to the brand ambassador role. Yes, I believe me. I have to be so creative for work, but I'm no longer. Standing in my area, yeah. whipped, surrounded by a backboard of absolutely fantastic products to whip up and think about flavor combinations anymore. Yeah. I'm flying. I have to do expense reports and PowerPoint presentations and Excel documents and all this stuff for this crazy other side of the brand ambassador role that nobody sees. Yeah. So you have to make time to be creative and by making time to be creative you can find your own ways to do that and writing is one of those for me tidbits of poems and even even writing something as simple as an Instagram quote yeah. that you're going to put att- attached to your picture can be such a fantastic experience because
1: it's intentional and there's constraints to it, I yeah. love it. And, it's it and it's
0: again seeing things in an interesting light um i i was uh i was riding my penny far i ride a penny farthing around chicago okay. um which is one of the old school bikes with the big front wheel and the small back wheel uh, and it is a Why hendrix bike surprised? but i have like my yeah. old school aviation helmet i wear right. with like goggles you do it, have
1: i was going to ask about the goggles it's cold what in do, chicago, you li- so do you
0: do ha- you you don't have a sidecar on it do you no with, like, a a real real i mean, i mean i don't dog know penny, fa- penny farthing sidecar you might you might have just created a new piece of pos for oh, then you for put us. a nice
1: little cute strange looking dog in there that's even more of an that's fantastic of we do
0: have the hendrix sidecars for the the motorcycles but um yeah, it's uh, it's funny how. Um, so I was riding through Chicago, and I and I remember I got home and I'd had the most beautiful day. It was fall; the leaves were changing, and all of a sudden I was looking up at this at like the sky when I was riding, and I was like, "What a beautiful situation!" And I got home, and I couldn't stop thinking about it. Mm. And the old bartender of me probably would have transformed that into a drink or a cocktail or something, mm. but as a brand ambassador, when you're on the go and you can't really make cocktails in the airport too well, I started to realize I was like, "Cool." So I put it into a like a, a one sentence or two sentence. Instagram quote, and I said, two days before tomorrow, I ambled along the roads of Chicago atop my penny farthing. The sunshine like powdered gold amidst the trees, clothed in green. My heart ablaze with happiness, and that to me was a, a wonderful little tidbit of creative outlet yeah. that made me feel good. And I mean, if you have that outlet, you can truly
1: you can decrease your stress levels, and everything comes into play. that's amazing. I like it, and I surely hope that you get into reading audiobooks, being the narrator you get a lot of money for that that but would you, be a that would be
0: a fun uh, a fun journey
1: yeah have to just you reading that.
0: those two lines like poetic <laughs> beauty having to put the deep voice on that's say, right
1: good morning world <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i'm sorry i can't do that no i have got two questions left for you before we kind of go into this beautiful sunny day here in san antonio first is and i like i have i really have no idea how you answer this which i really appreciate Ask this of everybody, and let's say you're anywhere in the world, perhaps Nightjar. I don't know. You'd have a gin and tonic. Mm-hmm. And you could have that gin and tonic in a conversation, in a sip with anybody, living or deceased. Who may you like to sit and wax poetic with? Wow, that's a great question.
0: I mean, aside from Jennifer Lawrence, because she's my favorite, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, that's a great question. You know, um, I never, it changes. You know, I'd have you to know? say my grandfather oh yeah I never got to meet him uh, and I feel like we would have we would have gotten on really well yeah and I would have loved to have had a just enough time over a gin and tonic to delve into his life
1: um, just a little bit gin guys are always the best aren't they yeah he was uh, well, besides and he guys, was actually he was a psychologist
0: in brooklyn new york uh, <laughs> no kidding yeah um and there's actually a, a, apparently, so apparently there's a, a bench at i think it's woodrow high school that yeah. has his name on it and it's that's amazing alvin solomon and i and i i think if i could spend the length of time of a gin and tonic with anybody it would probably be him
1: well there's that movie man i'm trying it escapes my thought like in time i think is what it's called where you you can go back in time but you can only spend a certain moment with somebody with Bill Nye isn't it about time about time thank one you one of yes. my favorite movies of all time it's a great Tom Gleason I can't remember his first name but yes yeah.
0: really D- love it uh, Green, uh, Donald Gleason or something yeah Tom
1: it's an interesting interesting. Yeah. Name. but it's that kind of moment oh great movie we have to seek those moments out I think absolutely the last question for you while you are here in San Antonio you got it anything left to accomplish anything on your docket that you're really looking forward to doing here in the next few days
0: um try and get as many smiles
1: in as possible oh that's come on
0: yeah no genuinely. i mean like (laughs) san antonio is such a great city um it's one of those it's one of those markets you go to and you're like every time you go there's more and more things to explore Uh and so it's just trying to fit it all in and really get in there and and to meet people it's again this 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 event is so fantastic because you get to network and meet all fantastic people yeah um so i'm excited you know i've got a, a wonderful weekend of relaxation ahead at the hendrix uh, relaxation ministry of relaxation we're putting on which is going to be great
1: is it are there like a bunch of cucumber seats and stuff like there uh, cucumbers in <laughs> general for sure yeah i mean hey they my, don't make for good structural components just to say <laughs> they get soft and you know English oh we a cucumber well. massage is going, going <laughs> <laughs> whoops <laughs> <laughs> the cucumber club kind of suggestive yeah. kind of suggestive well it's good mate i it was great meeting you in austin yeah this is uh a, a this months has been ago, fun, yeah. and you're just at the beginning of this amazing era,
0: you know. Every journey begins creating. with a single slice of cucumber, so.
1: I suppose it does. Yeah. I hope you enjoy the rest of your stay. It's great to in the chat. Absolutely. This More great. gin in the oh, future, yeah.
0: We'll have another cocktail right now. Brilliant. Right. Thank you. Great to see you.
1: Well, there we have it. The oh-so-charming Matthias Don Horseman sipping some amazing gin and tonics with Hendrix Gin. This is a role that Matthias was born to play. He is suave. He is charming. He is charismatic behind the camera and in front of it. And I guess I should stop acting like his agent and trying to sell you guys on the product. The charming, stunning product that is Mattias Dylan Horseman. Hopefully we'll get to see each other soon. And I really hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. You know, I hadn't talked to Mattias much and it was an instant party, instant comedic gold. So thanks everybody for listening to Should V with Mike G. No matter if you're considering Bob's Burgers to be one of the greatest TV shows ever made or if you're thinking Ocean's 8 I don't know if I should see it or not Sandra Bullock can lead quite a good movie please keep dancing.